Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. We're Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. It's the Professor Nate Jacobson. I am Ben Wittenstein. Nate, we had a big weekend of football. Lots of sweats. Big weekend look ahead this week. How was your weekend? It was okay. I know the the podcast picks kind of took a step back. We were hitting not great, un, un, unsustainable rate, as we uh, we said. Last week, how we weren't going to maintain this. We had a bit of a setback. Hopefully, we can have a bounce back this week. A lot of uh, conference college football games starting. Uh, lots to talk about after a pretty crazy weekend with a lot of upsets or near upsets. And then just another wild Sunday in the NFL there. Right from the beginning of the, the day, a lot of crazy results. And it ended with that Sunday night game last night. As we're recording this a little later on the Monday, as I've had a... Had some internet issues over here, so recording a little <laughs> later on Monday, but we wanted to make sure to get this out before Monday Night Football, Eagles, Cowboys, which I believe at least I have an opinion on. Yeah, you uh, internet issues, but welcome to the AirPods game. Yeah, I want to be the first one to officially welcome you. You got new AirPods, I like it. Yeah, I was going with like the the cord headphones on the uh, iPhone when I was you know going on walks and stuff and. That wasn't working anymore, so I decided to upgrade for AirPods, which is good for that, but also good as an appearance on the show when people are watching the videos that we post on the Stadium Best Twitter account. Exactly. Just a better look all around for the podcast. My ears feel um, lighter. My, hair, my, air, my head feels lighter. Hopefully that will help <laughs> me think better uh, throughout the next 30 minutes. There we go. We'll have better bets because you're wearing better earphones. Uh, I like it. But, yeah, if, I mean, if we were going to bet on how poorly our bets were going to go, we would be rich because we knew last week that this was the week for regression. Um, worse for me than for you. You went one and one on your best bets. Um, I was 0 for 3, a big fat zero on the wins. Um, our Texas A&M bet just did not go through. The tackling on that defense was horrendous. Um, the Michigan Rutgers over didn't hit it over 49 and a half. Patriots did not come through for me at all, but the Dolphins, Nate, saved the show from going over five. It did. And I think we can lead that off with the sweats of the week. Not necessarily, necessarily because it was a bad beat or a good beat, but I just think for 59 minutes and 58 seconds, I was rooting for the Dolphins very hard. And I still had Dolphins money line. I would have preferred they won. But if you just took my best bet, Dolphins plus four and a half, I said you could play it down to three and a half, so all those numbers would have covered. You would have been rooting against them for the final, you know, the two-point conversion that they converted because they scored a touchdown on fourth and goal to cut it from eight to two. So it's funny how in sports betting we go from rooting for a team for literally three hours in real time to run one play rooting against it to avoid overtime and possibly the Raiders losing by 
six points. So I just thought that was kind of ironic, and that game was the, the poster child of it. Because if you have an underdog, the last thing you want is overtime when the game is close. Um, the Dolphins were up 14 nothing early. Then they got very conservative. They gave up 25 answered points. Then they, they bounced back, and then in overtime they decided to play basically for a tie when they kicked a field goal down three with like three minutes left. Knowing that their defense wasn't getting many stops, especially on third down, so it was disappointing that the, the Dolphins weren't able to pull through and win the game and be a little bit more aggressive. Um, I thought Jacoby Brissett was okay. I was happy that we won the bet, but it wasn't. It was it was quite a sweat bet, and oh, yeah. especially when you're staring in the face of zero and five for the week as a podcast. I was like, we need we need one. <laughs> we needed so, that. We need one thing just to kind yeah. of get get us off the mat and make the Monday recording a little bit easier to to go through. Yeah, I mean, luckily we just did not place a lot of bets because we knew this was our time. Our time had come. We've been having it too good for too long. The weekend was not going to be good to us. And the Dolphins, luckily for us, it was a sweat, but it was a good sweat because it ended up well for you. Um, the Ravens teaser legs had some sweats, yeah. too, as our final sweat of the week. So this is the true sweat of the week as the idea of sweat of the week is the positive spin on bad beats. And I guess so the negative spin on bad beats would be if you had the Lions on the money line. And we mentioned yeah. before on Wednesday in our hangover uh, section that, this could be a tricky spot for the Ravens and to possibly avoid them in teasers, even though there was like six viable uh, teasers on Sunday and I guess Thursday, too, with the, the Panthers game. Uh, but the Ravens was one I, I avoided because I just wasn't sure how they would play with all the COVID issues they were having on the defensive side of the ball. And they just beat the Chiefs. And if there was ever going to be a letdown, it'd be at Detroit out of conference opponent who's one of the worst teams in the NFL, but they do play hard Detroit. They did fight back and they should have won the game. Lamar Jackson converting a third, fourth and 19 with no timeouts left deep in his own territory. And then Justin Tucker with a 66 yard field goal that hit the goalpost and bounced in just a brutal, brutal beat. If you had the That's Lions, but if you, had way the, to lose. if you had the Ravens teasers teased with the, the Cardinals and who else was popular? The Bills, the Vikings, Rams. if you got the Rams up to seven and a half, um, the Panthers the other night, I think that was all the, the potential, at least basic strategy teasers that are plus expected value. They all won, including the Ravens, because of that Justin Tucker field goal. Lions cover the spread, but Lions money line goes down. So Ravens teaser legs, or if you had Ravens and Survivor, you have to be feeling lucky that you uh, either won your bet or still alive and ready to fight another week if you're in that sort of contest. Let's look at the biggest takeaways that we have, Nate, because we like to do this every week. We want to look back at the week that was, see what we did right, see what we did wrong, so we can adjust for this coming weekend. Um, And you look at the ACC and the way that they had played, and then Clemson goes down, shockingly. They might be done from the playoff is what it really is starting to look like is the ACC may not have a representative in the college football playoff this year. Yeah, not just Clemson. I don't know if any team from the ACC has yeah. a chance to make the playoff because also North Carolina, a team that probably had the second best chance of making the playoff from the ACC, lost their second game of the season as Clemson and North Carolina both lost as double-digit favorites on Saturday the first week of the football season, we picked on the Pac-12 North. We could have easily picked on the ACC because Clemson, Miami, North Carolina all lost. 
Then last week we could have also picked on them because Clemson almost lost, Miami lost to Michigan State, and Pittsburgh lost to Western Michigan. So after you know giving the ACC a little bit of a break the last few weeks, instead of picking on, we picked on the Pac-12. Let's pick on the ACC this year because right now there's three ranked teams in that conference, including number 25 Clemson. The other two are 23 and 24 in North Carolina State and Wake Forest, respectively. So the ACC truly might be out of the college football playoff unless there's just an absolute crazy year and Clemson runs the table. But I guess at Clemson, North Carolina, already with two losses in the first month of the season. Miami already has two losses. They lost their second game to Michigan State last week. So really just not sure what to make of the ACC and if any of those games are going to be that competitive, considering that we're entering October and the highest-ranked team is twenty the 23rd-ranked North Carolina State Wolfpack, who has yeah. a pretty bad loss looking back at it when they lost to Mississippi State, who uh, – lost their last two games against Memphis and LSU. So really tough times for the ACC, a league that has been carried by Clemson, and now that Clemson is having an off year, they've gotten gotten, probably going to get picked on a lot throughout this season. We got early NFL, early afternoon NFL games, Nate. The brunch time winners, perfect in the early NFL games. It, everything lined up perfectly. There was no point scored. There was more, no more than seven points scored in the first quarters of these games. It was impressive to finally see those brunch time winners come through. So I didn't bet on anything uh, first quarter unders in the NFL. I was having the internet issues and I was just trying to figure out how I was going to spend my NFL Sunday uh, without internet. So I wasn't able to kind of dig into some of the first quarter unders, but all nine early afternoon games went under the first quarter total. There were seven points or less scored in all of them. And it was kind of an ugly early slate in the NFL. There were some good finishes towards towards the end, like there usually is. And some games picked up in scoring, but just kind of an ugly start to the day in terms of scoring in the NFL. I know we talked, I think one game we mentioned, Bengals-Steelers could be a good one, especially if the Steelers injury um, list, Big Ben playing through the injury. So that definitely hit. But I, I don't know what to make of it, Ben. I, I I think there's been a lot of unders in the NFL. I know yesterday there definitely was a lot of unders. I'm not sure if it, it, we're going to go over, but just like kind of looking around the league, it just seems like there's so many bad off- offenses, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Bears, the Giants, the Falcons. There's just so many teams that seem like they're in a mess where there's a lot, you know, a handful of very good teams, Super Bowl contenders, and then there's teams that have literally, like, you can write them off for the playoffs already despite the expanded field. And a lot of it, I think, falls on the offenses, specifically teams that are starting rookie quarterbacks. The rookie quarterbacks in Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, and now Justin Fields haven't played well, and Mac Jones had a bad game yesterday. So I think we're just seeing kind of an offensive struggle and some teams maybe trying to feel each other out early in games. So we'll probably, on Friday's show, especially coming off this 9-0 and uh, first quarter under thing, take a closer look at these games because I'm sure there will be a little bit more value in betting. Yeah, for something like this, I think you have to look at the zigzag theory, right, where it's you get all nine unders this last week. I'm not saying we hit all the overs for this coming weekend, but I think it's something you look at and you say, well, maybe the lines will start to adjust and we'll see some of these teams and the offense is hopefully by week four actually start to develop into something. I'll say that the full games might adjust and they might, you know, be shaded towards the under. But the first quarter is usually not not changed too much. It's usually seven and a half in like a 
in an average scoring game and then nine and a half if it's a little bit of a higher total. So I still think there could be opportunities in first quarters and first halves, maybe staying away from the full game unders because the market will correct itself and it'll go and the zig will become a zag. But I think if you narrow it down to the derivatives, you can still find some value. So let's talk more about that Friday as we uh, get close to the week and look at some of those early NFL games and see if we uh, can find something. All right, it's opening bell time. Nate taking a look at some of the college football lines that have been moving since they opened on Sunday. And I'll be honest, this is a very fun slate of games. And complete opposite from last week where we were pretty much just dreading college football Saturday because of how bad all of these games were going to be and how hard it was to bet some of these bad matchups. But, Nate, this week we've got some fun ones. Cincinnati, Notre Dame, number seven against number nine at Notre Dame. Notre Dame was favored by one last week, and when it reopened on Sunday, Cincinnati minus two got up to minus three, and then it went back to minus two. This is going to be a really fun matchup, and we, I think for myself, I was on the Wisconsin side of that game um, as not a best bet, but it was a bet that I made, and that was that was tough to watch. They just did not look good, and Notre Dame looked like clearly the better team in that game. I don't know what to make of Cincinnati. So I think this matchup could be really fun. I think the line makes sense where it's within a field goal. Um, but this is a game I'm going to have to study a little bit more before I really make a choice on it. Yeah, definitely. And and Notre Dame did win the game. The scoreboard looked good, 41-13. to 13, But Wisconsin was leading 13-10 to 10 early in the fourth quarter. Notre Dame returns a kickoff return. Graham Mertz was incredibly inaccurate and threw four interceptions of the game, including a pick six at the end. Yeah, so the scoreboard looked a lot better for Notre Dame than, than how it actually played. I'm not saying Notre Dame shouldn't have won. They definitely probably should have covered. But at the same time, they also struggled rushing. They only had nine net rushing yards on 32 attempts. So I think there's still some concerns about Notre Dame, their offensive line. Now throw in the potential injury to Jack Cohn, who left the game with an ankle injury, and they had a third-string quarterback in because Notre Dame's backup was unavailable with a hamstring injury. So there's a lot of question marks. I can see this line kind of moving throughout the week based on how the injury situation for the Notre Dame quarterback room looks. Brian Kelly is optimistic all three of them will be available, including Jack Cohn, who would assume I would assume get the start. Cincinnati was off last week, so there's a big edge there that Notre Dame had to play Wisconsin in this big game. This is one of the second of two crucial non-conference games for Cincinnati. They had that one against Indiana last week. But, Ben, we watched that game, and we weren't really impressed with Cincinnati. Indiana had a chance to get up early, maybe put the game away, but the turnovers killed them, and they let Cincinnati hang around, and Cincinnati capitalized. So, I'm not really sure Cincinnati should be favored at Notre Dame by the, pretty much the same number they were favored against at Indiana, just because I think Notre Dame's a better team than Indiana. Maybe not by a lot, but at least slightly better than Indiana. So it's hard to make a case for Cincinnati now as the favorite in this game, even though this is like the biggest game, maybe in at least in the Luke Fickle era, because if they win, then they have a legitimate shot to at least be in the argument for the college football playoff. So it's a very fascinating game. I think if if Cincinnati won, then the season and the playoff race would become very interesting because you add in a Cincinnati who all they have to do is run the table in the AAC to go undefeated, and this is a game they've had circled for a long time. 
I think that's why Cincinnati is the favorite, along with the quarterback uncertainty for Notre Dame. But we'll have to see. I'm sure we'll talk about this game Wednesday and maybe get some more information about Notre Dame's um, quarterback injury stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about these games in depth um, on Wednesday as we kind of go rapid fire through these. Michigan, Wisconsin, 14th ranked Michigan. Wisconsin was favored by four last week, of course, and then they lay that dud against Notre Dame. It's re- reopened as a pick on Sunday. Michigan favored by one. I know this game is at Wisconsin. It's at Camp Randall, Nate, which Wisconsin clearly plays better at home, and it's a better environment for them. But Michigan's look good, and and they've looked like a pretty solid team. I don't think people are ready to put their full weight behind a Jim Harbaugh-led Michigan Wolverine squad just yet, even though they look good. But this line, it makes me really want to hit Michigan. So, yeah, as you mentioned, it opened four. That's before the week four game for playing in college football. So before Wisconsin's lost to Notre Dame, before Michigan's narrow win against Rutgers, or what ended up being a close win, only winning by seven points. So the line has moved five points. Now Michigan is a one-point favorite in Madison. And I mentioned there was a little bit of a misleading final with Notre Dame scoring 31 unanswered in the fourth quarter and Graham Mertz throwing four interceptions. He was under 50% completion percentage for the game. Showed a lot of that inaccuracy that we saw in week one against Penn State. So I do have worry about Graham Mertz. But if it, for me, it's either Wisconsin or pass in this game. I mentioned Notre Dame only had nine net rushing yards on 32 attempts. Their running back, Kyron Williams, had 18 carries for 33 yards. I was looking at some Michigan stuff today. They really rely on running the ball with their two backs, and Cade McNamara is making a a big road start because their first four games were all in Ann Arbor. So this is a Michigan group who hasn't played in front of an opposing crowd, not just this season, but also last season. So a lot of these players are will be a very unfamiliar environment for them. So the, kind of the spot, and I think now that the line has shifted so much in Michigan's favor that there's value on Wisconsin. And then situationally, Wisconsin – who is one and two, but they only have one conference loss, still have aspirations to win the Big Ten West, which is a big deal for them. So I still believe Wisconsin has to be the side in this game. I just couldn't bet Michigan now as a short favorite, especially because the matchup for Michigan's offense could be difficult because one thing Wisconsin can do well is stop the run. All right, we'll go on to the biggest matchup of the weekend, Ole Miss, Alabama. Minus 17 and a half last week, Nate, was what this line opened to. It got that down to 14 and a half before week four was played. And then it opened again, Alabama minus 20. A total, there was a total of 80 at Circa in Vegas. Um, Obviously, people were just hitting that under, and then money was coming in with Ole Miss, too. And now it's at 14 and a half in favor of Alabama, and that total settled down around 77 and a half. People are expecting this to be an absolute shootout, um, and they're expecting Alabama to put points on the board clearly if they're a 14 and a half point favor with this total at 77 and a half. We'll talk about this a ton more. I'm excited on Wednesday to really go in depth, but this is going to be one of the most fun matchups of the weekend, if not the most fun. Yeah, bookmakers definitely expect a high-scoring game if they set an 80 at Circa in Las Vegas, which does the college football openers. Last week, though, we had a sports book open 17 and a half, and even before the games played last week, where Ole Miss had a bye, Alabama played Southern Miss. Money came in on Ole Miss to 14 and a half, which is why I was a little surprised at a Vegas shop when Circa opened 20 for Alabama and 80 as the total. The first move was to the under. I can see that actually going coming back a little bit of over, especially since last year these two teams played and Alabama beat Ole Miss 63 to 48. 
and Ole Miss off- offense is better now this season uh, with another year with Matt Corral, who is currently the Heisman favorite. Uh, that move that move on the Alabama side was interesting because usually Alabama doesn't take so much money against them. Opening 20, and within like 15 minutes, it was down to 16.5, and, and now we're seeing 14.5. So we'll have to see what that line does after the initial moves were on the Rebels. An interesting game, though, because Matt Corral, plus 150 to win the Heisman. Bryce Young, plus 175. The next player in the Heisman odds that I checked was Desmond Ritter at 15-1 and a one in a big group at like 25-1. to one. So legitimately, whoever wins this game might become the Heisman front runner and might go at least wire to wire from not this point to the rest of the season and win. I think there's a little bit of concern about how Alabama played against Florida, getting out to that big lead, but then barely getting away with the victory. So... It's in Tuscaloosa. It's Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban. You know Lane Kiffin has been talking all summer about Bryce Young's NIL deals and talking about how Alabama has an unfair advantage because of the transfer portal now. So uh, Saban, I know, probably respects Lane Kiffin a lot because Saban resurrected Kiffin's coaching career when he was the offensive coordinator. So a lot of fun battles in this game. Looking forward to watching for sure, even if I don't have a bet in it. All right, let's go to NFL, mate, because we have three NFL games for week four. They've moved through that key number of seven from last week's look-ahead line. Um, those three games are the Bengals, who are at minus 7.5 for minus 6.5 against the Jaguars. That's the Thursday night game. Titans of the Jets with the Titans at minus 7.5. They went uh, from that from minus 6.5 to minus 7.5. And, and then Giants at the Saints with the Saints at minus 7.5 before being minus six and a half. So you look at those games, the Jaguars, Bengals on Thursday, Titans at Jets, Giants at Saints. Nate, is there a game out of those three games that you are looking for maybe to bet this weekend or at least like kind of circling the waters here looking at something that uh, you might say, I kind of like this number right now. I kind of am fascinated with the New York Giants, an 0-3 team. They're catching more than a touchdown. I would say this, the the Jets and Jaguars might be teams I just don't bet a lot this year, so the line moves in those games make sense just because of how inept their offenses have been. At least the Giants kind of have shown a little bit. I know yesterday is the favorite. They, they blew a game against the Falcons, but they played very well against the Washington football team in Week 2. And on the Saints side, they win another game, and a game I know, Ben, you were on the other side of, of I also – bet the Patriots yeah. used him in all my contests so I was a little bit surprised by that result even though looking back probably shouldn't have been just the Saints just better as in the underdog role but now the Saints back in the favorite role now have to lay over a touchdown even though the Saints won Jameis Winston only had 128 passing yards the offense had 4.1 yards per play so it wasn't any offensive masterpiece by the Saints and when you have that uh, you know, tax on a, a, the home team like the Saints. I kind of like the Giants in this underdog role because I'm not sure if the Saints offense should be favored by this much. The one thing that might be holding me back, and I think it'll be a, a narrative and something talked about throughout the week, is the Saints will be back in New Orleans. They haven't been there because of the the recovery from Hurricane Ida. So I could see maybe a very inspired effort from the Saints. And I still think they'll probably win the game, but if you have to, if you're getting seven and a half, the New York Giants are something I'm going to look at, and I, I would, I'd be surprised if I don't include them on the Friday show as one of the bets I make, if not a best bet. Yeah, they're a fascinating team because they they started hot, 
they had week two where they looked terrible and Jameis looked like his old Jameis Winston self. And then week three, they come back and look really good against a Patriots team that was favored, a Patriots team that was on the up and up. And people were praising Mac Jones and Bill Belichick was going to help him out. And then it just all collapsed. So it, this is going to be a really interesting game from the Saints' perspective because can they build on being that underdog role where they were good as the underdog, they're playing a team they know they can beat, and they beat them, now they go back home for what's going to be an emotional game with them being back and after Hurricane Ida and the cleanup and everything. It's it's going to be a fun game to watch, and I don't know if I love that hook at 7.5, and, and, and I don't think we're going to see enough money come on the Giants, Nate, where that line goes down, but... It's uh, it's tempting to bet on the Saints in this situation. All right. Well, I'll be on the other side with the Giants. The one thing I will be looking for, though, is some of the injuries they sustained yesterday. Sterling yeah. Shepard, Darius Slayton. If they can't go, then it'll be very difficult for the Giants to score, and maybe I won't be as comfortable taking the points with New York. That uh, Lions-Bears line is uh, going down. Which yeah. makes sense, sadly, with the Bears uh, playing like absolute butt. <laughs> 1.1 yards per play in their Week 3 game. Now the Lions are only a plus-3 underdog against them this weekend. Yeah, when I usually look at NFL and kind of review stuff on Sunday night, Monday morning, I if the yards per play for a team is like under 4.5, I'm usually like, okay, this was a really bad offensive performance. If they won, maybe it was misleading that they won. I've never seen anything as low as 1.1 yards per play no. from the Chicago. It's historically bad. Yeah, it was. It, that's like a yard per play number that like you could only imagine it would be if if the game was in like a blizzard and they couldn't move the ball. <laughs> but this happened. You have to like in, try to get that bad. This yeah, this happened in perfect weather in Cleveland. Bears from six minus six to minus three right now is that number has been kind of bouncing between three and three and a half. I, I could see it settling at three. I also think there's a little bit of an upgrade on the Detroit Lions, who lack talent, but it's a little maybe a little narrativey, but they do try hard for 60 minutes under Dan Campbell, and that's, that's probably not something that was going on in the Matt Patricia years. So. The Lions maybe become a little bit interesting as a team that could always, you know, as an underdog, cover some spreads, beat market expectation. But now the line is basically saying the Bears and Lions are equal teams. I'm not sure if I agree with that, despite how bad the Bears were yesterday. Maybe there's a buy low spot on the Bears. You'd have to think, I mean, there's only one way to go for the Bears offense, and the Lions don't have the pass rush that the Browns do. So if the Bears are going to figure out anything, it's going to be in this game at home against the Detroit Lions off a historically bad offensive performance. So I wouldn't overreact to this, and I would definitely not be on the Lions this week uh, just because the line has adjusted too much. All right, before we get to Monday Night Football, one more game, the Ravens and the Broncos. Broncos moving from a one-and-a-half point underdog to minus one-and-a-half as the favorite. Uh, it's an interesting move here because Teddy Bridgewater has been the against-the-spread darling as of late. Um, I don't know the exact number. I think it was like 38-17 and 17 or something that he is against the spread as a starter as Teddy Bridgewater, and the Broncos have looked good. But, Nate, what I'm worried about is they have played no one good. Their, their competition level has been terrible, and they have looked good, and Teddy Bridgewater has yet to throw an interception, and the Broncos as a unit under Vic Fangio look like a solid team, but they have not played any good competition. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that the line moved this much in favor of the Broncos to make them a favorite. 
Yeah, I, that's why I want to talk about this game, flip a favorite. And I agree with you, Ben, that even though the Broncos have looked good and Teddy has looked very good and is great at covering point spreads, we kind of saw this 3-0 start coming because they were going to start with the Giants, Jaguars, and the Jets. So this is the real test for the Ravens. will be very interesting to see Lamar Jackson against the Vic Fangio defenses because Fangio is one of the better defensive minds in the NFL and has been for quite some time. And it now has the defense as a head coach, I think, will get him a lot of respect throughout the league. Interested to see where this line goes. Not sure if I would straight bet the Ravens at this point, but if you get them up in a teaser to over a touchdown, I, I kind of am rooting that the Ravens just kind of stay as a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite. Use them in the teaser up to seven or eight plus eight, because if the Broncos win this game, and I think, you know, They'll definitely have a shot to win this game. I, but if they do win this game, I don't think it's going to be by over possession just because Teddy Bridgewater isn't that type of quarterback. So the Ravens early on look like a very interesting teaser leg for me if they do stay as an underdog. If the Broncos became the underdogs, then the Broncos probably be a good te- um, teasable game, especially in this total at 44. So low total, I think either win, the winner of this game wins it by a possession. So if any team in this game becomes a field goal underdog, which I don't think will happen, then I'll definitely look on betting on them. But, uh, yeah, I think one of the more fascinating games in week two, especially since the Ravens needed that miracle to beat the Lions in a game we kind of expected a little bit of a hangover and could have argued this was a sandwich game with the Broncos on deck. All right, Monday Night Football we have tonight. Fun game, Dallas and, uh, and Philly. Eagles at Cowboys with the Cowboys the favorite at minus three and a half. I um I, I honestly don't know where to go for this game, Nate. Maybe you can help me out because I don't have a bet set yet for this game. And I do want to bet it because I think there are some good numbers to hit. I don't know if I can lean on a side. I've been seeing a lot of sharps go Eagles and the public is on the Cowboys and a lot of people are on the over and I've seen some sharps on the under. I was thinking of hitting a player prop for something like this. I was zeroing in on Tony Pollard and maybe hitting his rushing attempts or his rushing yards, considering he's gotten a bigger chunk of the uh, role on the offensive side for the Cowboys. But I can be convinced of mostly anything at this point if if you make a good argument. So do you are you do you have something for this game? Are you looking at something? I do. I bet the Eagles plus three and a half. I bet okay. it like right before the weekend. So I didn't mention it on Friday's show. This isn't a best bet, but it is a bet. It'd be like a, a you know a secondary bet for me as I have been giving out on the Friday show. So Eagles plus three and a half, and I just think I was a little bit too low on the Eagles to start the year. They looked very good in that win against the Falcons. Week two, they closed as a two and a half point home underdog to the 49ers, which is a team I respect quite a bit. They outgained the 49ers. They had six yards per play. The 49ers only had 4.5. There was a really crazy sequence at the end of the first half where they had first and goal from the one up 3 nothing. They failed to convert. The 49ers, who had four three and outs to start the game, then marched 97 yards to score a touchdown before halftime, and that game just kind of flipped on that one sequence. If the Eagles score a touchdown there to go up 10 nothing, I think they probably end up winning that game. So I think that after falling short last week, the Eagles bounced back. If there's anything more, I think it's a field goal game either way, too. I I don't think there's much separating these teams. Plus, Mike McCarthy is a favorite. Don't mind being on the other side of that and betting against him. And I'm just kind of fascinated by Nick Sirianni 
and maybe a little bit better than what we thought. Maybe his qualifications about being a head coach this early in his career maybe was a was a stretch, but he seems like maybe he has a idea of what to do and to get the most out of Jalen Hurts. And the Cowboys have plenty of defensive injuries they're dealing with. I know the Eagles also have injuries too, but if anything better than a field goal, I'll take the Eagles tonight plus three and a half is is the bet I have. And if it's still out there, I believe that's the current line. Um, I would advocate on a bet on the Eagles tonight. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of sharps too who are going on the Eagles plus three and a half. I, this is one of the weird games where the public is on the Cowboys. A lot of the sharp betters are on the Eagles. So I guess we'll figure out who's right. Usually when the public is more than like 70 or 75 percent, that's never a good sign for the team that the, uh, that the public is on is something I've noticed. So I don't, I might, I might go Eagles plus or plus three and a half. Um, I don't think I'm going to hit like a Dak prop or anything like that. Um, his his yards have been creeping up. I think it was like in the 290s, and now it's at 301, 302. So that seems to be about the correct number. But I might do Eagles, the Tony Pollard's props I'm looking at. I just don't know, Nate, too, with Tony Pollard, if, you know, is Zeke going to get a majority of the, of the snaps now? Are they more comfortable with Zeke in the offense? Or are they still like Tony Pollard? Because when he played and he got over 100 yards rushing, they won the game against the Chargers. So, you don't really know what strategy Mike McCarthy has at this point. They did, and they actually, in their their loss this season, I thought played very well against the Bucks when it was a pass-heavy um, scheme. They had yeah. Michael Gallup in this game. They don't have him in this game. He's out a few weeks, so it's only as Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb as the, as the viable targets for the Cowboys. They did end up winning last week, but I didn't think they played well. I thought they were lucky to win that game against the Chargers. So I think uh, it's kind of hard to judge props based on not knowing if they're going to go yeah. pass-heavy again. I think they should probably go pass-heavy because if the Eagles do have a weakness, and I feel like we've talked about this for years, that it's always the Eagles' secondary, and they have a solid defensive line. So I think they should need to be more pass-heavy, but sometimes you get worried about some of the offensive play calling when, when Mike McCarthy has his fingerprints on it. All right. Well, you took it on Friday. You still feel confident with plus three and a half? Yep. Eagles plus three and a half is a bet tonight. I have them all in my contest. Uh, the difference between a three and two week and a two and three week will be uh, in the balance tonight. So let's, let's, go uh, Eagles. Fly Eagles fly, I guess. Yeah. Let's right the ship. Let's start the week with uh, with a green. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll be back Wednesday more in-depth with college football and looking more at some of these NFL games we're going to be betting as well. Fun weekend coming up, fun college football weekend, and an exciting NFL weekend uh, for week four coming up as well. So we will see you all on Wednesday. 